was excited to come see you last night until they decided we actually want to go home and continue playing Mario Kart. We played Mario Kart for hours. I hate that game. Yeah, no, that Sam has found out that he also hates it. It's a bad game. I the reason I don't mind it is because um it it does the the RNG of getting hit happens to me once every like 30 races that I'll get just completely pwned by everyone. Normally I just ra- like I race and I don't get attacked and that's why Sam got upset is he's like when I'm in first place I get hit with a blue shell every time and then I get knocked back. When you're in first place you get hit with the blue shell and nothing happens. Here's my opinion on that game. I love my kids. <laughs> but they've been playing games for a year, maybe two years. They barely know how a controller works. And they can get second place. <laughs> it's a bad game. I agree with you on the. And he walked out. Um, we'll probably talk about this again, but uh, in 2019 they discovered the Moros Intrepidus. I've never heard of this dinosaur because they discovered it in 2019, and essentially it is a uh, human-sized Tyrannosaurus Rex, and the implications are incredible like did they compete with velociraptors at any point because velociraptors were what the moros intrepidus is in the movie like the movie version is the moros intrepidus but the version that is actually real that is more like a turkey it's like actual velociraptors are more like the size of a turkey but the moros intrepidus is the dinosaur that we imagined a velociraptor would be in the 90s Jurassic Park. What happened in this room when I was gone? Um, I got real with our audience. <laughs> I opened up my heart and I let them in. Mm. Welcome to the Citadel Podcast. My name is Nate Fleming, the immaculate, hilarious host of the Citadel Podcast. And uh, coming soon to you, the Live Off the Cuff Podcast. Mm. Uh, but that's only going to be available on Patreon because um, I don't want anybody to listen to it because it is valuable information and it could uh, rapidly increase the collapse of civilization as we know it. Smart. I am joined by my anarchistic co-host, oh. Joshua Sitta. Yeah. Um, checking out the reviews of the podcast lately. I am... Also on the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me again, Nate. I appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm excited about this one. This one's going to be a good one. Um, this one, I don't know if you had anything in mind about what we were doing. I mean, I sure do. Okay. Um, but I also had something in mind about what we were doing. I'd love to hear is it. it. Is it separate from yours, maybe? Oh, well, let's hear what yours is. Mine is, holy crap, the news. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think that's what we should title this podcast is just holy crap the news. Uh, the amount of incidents is ramping all the way up. So I, I think it's more accurate to say that there is now more reporting on the number of incidents that are happening. Yeah, that's more accurate to say. But if we're fear-mongering in hopes of increasing business, what we say is, oh my God, there's more now than there's ever been before. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't have numbers on that. You don't want a fear-monger? No, I don't. Well, hang on. Let's talk about it because <laughs> okay. Okay. the problem has always been this bad. It's been this bad for, I don't know, years. Um, and, and maybe there's a correlation to like the amount of, the amount of uh, you know, the bad guys who got suddenly super cyber active um, during the pandemic when they weren't making money through legitimate means anywhere else. But it's it's a it's a problem that's been going on for a long time. What I think you're seeing now is there are there are um, there are systems in place to report cybercrime. Yeah. There are it's um, newsworthy now. It is newsworthy now. It hasn't been newsworthy before. Yeah. Because you haven't had uh, one of the largest distributors of meat pay $11 million to get their computers back online. Immediately they paid that money too. They didn't wait. They didn't try to figure anything out. And you want? I think the reason why is they probably didn't have a cybersecurity incident plan. It could be. I'll say this. It was an option for them. True. That they makes could sense. pay that ransom. Yeah. Uh, Risk analysis. The, the um, wh- why are you saying those words? I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know what I'm saying, but if I say enough big words, I will be the smart one on the podcast and no longer just the funny one. Uh, the meat company, they paid that the money. JBS. Uh, JBS? That's the name. You know, that's my initials. Really? Yeah. Um, I, Bertram. I, I wanted, Yeah, Bertram. I wanted to say JBL, and then I was like, I don't think that's the same company. You're correct. Um, Colonial Pipeline. <laughs> you heard right. They. <laughs> good job. They paid that ransom after just a day. Yep. Five it's, million? Nine million? I don't remember the number. Um, I know the FBI supposedly got about $4.4 million back. And Anyway, here's what I'm trying to say. The mega corporations, when they get hit with ransomware... They can afford it. They can afford that. They've got money sitting around somewhere. But follow that money. What happens to that money if you're a business mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you get a windfall? You've got some new product that somebody buys for... Uh, how, how much was JBS? 11? 11 million, yeah. Let's say you got a product that you sell to one customer for $11 million. What are you going to do with that money? You're going to you're gonna throw yourself a party. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay your staff. Pop bottles. You're going to pop some bottles. And you're also going to reinvest that back into your business. Yeah. Some of it's going to go to research and development for new products. A product for a cyber criminal, that's another form of malware yeah it's or, another vulnerability that you're buying yeah another lead on who you can oh yeah hop this vulnerability onto yeah yeah yeah. or someone's like hey I, I put a back door over here i don't want to use it but you want to buy the back door from me mm-hmm. yeah so so here's my frustration in the security community there's this ongoing debate about if it's ethical to pay the ransom or not and it is only focused on are we are we rewarding bad people for doing bad things? And the response to that is, well, yes, we are rewarding people, but if the business is down and people are relying on that business, what other options are there? Yeah, That's the whole conversation. Yeah. My frustration is this. When a major company takes that option and they just say, ah, this isn't the Thursday we wanted to have, but let's stroke that check for $11 million. They're now funding all of the work that is going to make it more difficult for small businesses yeah. who already don't have the option. Yeah. It th- there's a there's a there's a much more protracted conversation about whether or not it's ethical to pay um, the ransom. And, and and honestly, I'll tell you, here's here's my hot take. Oh, take it take it hot. I don't think so. I don't think it's ethical to pay the ransom? Yeah, I get frustrated every single time. I agree. I don't think it's ethical either. That's It's the same as someone going into a bank, holding up the bank with a gun, saying, give me all your money, or, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this computer. Are you familiar with bank robberies? Yeah. I'm just trying to make it equal, because like, in these instances that we know of, no one's dying. In a bank robbery, like sure. they, hold, they have hostages. Yeah. So there's a difference there. But if, if someone just came up with a gun, no intent to harm, but just said, give me all your money, or I'll... Like or you just can't continue doing business. They're mm-hmm. gonna sometimes they'll just give the money over if the police can't get there in time. You know. Yeah. Um. And and there are no police. Uh, for ransomware stuff, there's no. Yeah. Well, it's not illegal where. Yeah. A there's lot no of police force. Being, yeah. You can't just raid wherever the person who has sent the and ransomware in and then get whatever you need back. Yeah. There's been some examples where like okay, so remember um 2018 2019 20 even a little bit of 2020, our biggest threat out there was Emotet. We had a whole podcast yeah. episode on it. The Egyptian god. Back, <laughs> yeah. Back in, I want to say February, um, the FBI seized, worked with the CIA and another, maybe Interpol, I don't know. Um, a bunch of law enforcement offices worked together uh, to seize all of the infrastructure that the Emotet threat group was using. And there was this momentary like ha- victory that the security community felt. But that problem didn't get solved. It's not like these compromises went away. No. And if anything, like we're seeing more and more yeah. headlines. Here's a headline that I do want to talk about real quick. Uh, Fujifilm. Ooh, let me look it up. Fujifilm. You don't even need to look it up. Okay. It was a small, <laughs> it was a much smaller ransom. They opted not to pay. So not every giant corporation it's is terrible. taking that option. Yeah, Fujifilm is a company that said, let's figure this out. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be difficult. And that was, they, they decided to kind of bear the pain of trying to 
work on recovering that data or work on rebuilding it or going without it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I literally just typed in Google ransomware and then clicked all stories. And there's more than I thought there would be. Okay. Uh, cost of ransom. These are just headlines, mind you. Like I'm not going into the body of text to read any details on them. Yeah. These are. I'm just taking everything from headlines. I want to clarify that no, this is not the proper way to read news, at all. Okay. Uh, but for people out there who are like reading a headline and going with it, as that's the whole article, uh, the cost of ransomware attack on Baltimore County public schools climbs to seven point seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. So not even schools are exempt, and we know with that seven point seven million, without even reading the article, that that's all just coming from teacher salaries to cover that. Um, right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Electronic Arts has a data breach. Uh, ransomware attack in 2019 to the Teamsters, and they didn't pay. Teamsters chose not to pay. Uh, cyber attacks in Utah. Ransomware schemes costing millions of dollars. Th- that was 10 hours ago that they reported about that. Um, it so it's it's there's a lot that we don't even know happens because yeah. if if you don't have to tell your customers because you have a whole bunch of like. Right. Agreements that are out there that people have said, okay, I accept all the terms of this agreement. So you, they don't have to tell you if there's something threatening their business because it would be bad for business if they did. Yeah, unless you're in California, New York, or whenever this Florida le- legislature passes. There we go. There's starting to be some local uh, uh, what is it? laws. Yeah, um, laws. That, That's what they are. Right? Uh, Legislation. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, what's another word for legislator? Um, Legislation. Uh, there are some... States are beginning to catch up and mm-hmm. say this this can't keep happening. Yeah, it used to be. Um, it used to be that if you had, you, even if you take ransomware, uh, years ago you could you could get hit with a ransomware attack and you could just say, okay, they encrypted all the data. Well, that doesn't compromise confidentiality. It doesn't compromise um, the 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 critical sensitive information that we keep on our customers. So. If there's no impact to the customer, mm-hmm. let's just bear the impact to the business. Yeah, We'll do without the data or we'll figure out a, a way around it like Fujifilm's doing right now. The, the problem is that the ransomware actors paid attention to the businesses who said, you know what, we're going to do without it. And now there's like a 50-50 ransom extortion attack. Have you heard about this? Ransom extortion? Like a 50, what? So I find your I, I I get on your network, compromise a password, I move around, I don't do any big activities mm-hmm. until I find what's really valuable. I stage that somewhere. I copy that to a place where I can then exfiltrate it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then either I encrypt it with like WinRAR or WinZip or um, anyway. Zip file. I package it all up, and then I steal about half of it, or I steal all of it. I yep. mean, if nobody's watching, I may steal all of it. And uh, a zip file for my mother out there, it's when you take a whole bunch of files, compress them really, really tiny, and stick them inside of a file that is zipped up. It's like you're comp- like a, like you would take clothing and put it in one of those compression airbags, and you'd suck all the air out of it. You're just getting rid of all of the things that aren't necessarily there, like storing the data itself in the smallest form. So when you unzip it, you extract the data from it and restore it to its original size. Yeah. I would love to talk with you more about how compression algorithms algorithms work. Am I saying that correctly? Compression algorithms? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I somehow made algorithm a one-syllable word. I would love to talk with you about how compression algorithms work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's that's not where I want to go with this. But you're exfiltrating with the zip files. Take it off. No one's paying attention. Yeah, their favorite thing to do is to encrypt that those documents mm-hmm. so that even if you have a you know a network security team who is uh who is monitoring like the data that's going in and out they're going to see oh well this this channel is going out encrypted so that's secure we don't have to worry about that one yeah they're playing the security game against the the defense um in any case they steal all the data and then they detonate their ransomware after they already have a copy gotcha now they say hey Pay us that ransom, and if you don't, we're going to release this online. And then they usually take a subset of the data, or sometimes like a masked version of the data, but they show how much data they have. They put it out on Pastebin or someplace where you can just dump files. Yeah. And then they say, sure would be a shame if more of this got out there, better pay that ransom. And then sometimes they'll say, 
they'll they'll release half of it and then mm-hmm. say the ransom just went up to get the other half to get the other half yeah that's super interesting um so with the the pipeline the the whole ransomware that happened there and the threat actors who got away with the money the FBI were able to seize the money they were able to get some of the money back yeah not mm-hmm. all of it but some of it back um and a lot of the articles i read were like this proves that bitcoin actually can be stolen from uh headlines were wrong headlines were very wrong in that aspect uh from my understanding based upon what i've read and i've tried to read a lot to kind of get my head around it they didn't steal the bitcoin they got access to the wallet that had the bitcoin yeah yeah that's that's what we talk about uh as often as like bitcoin security comes up mm-hmm. it's it's making sure that you 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 are protecting the identity you're protecting the access to the wallet um <laughs> the thing that makes the the thing that makes um data theft a little there there's a step removed when you're trying to steal a bitcoin wallet if i come in and i drop a ransom note on your computer i have to tell you what wallet to put it in yes right so let's say it's wallet abc123 it's a whole lot longer than that but for our conversation that's that's our wallet so nate you got to put a million dollars in abc123 he does now the whole world anyone who's participating in bitcoin can look up wallet abc123 yeah and see how much money is there yep so it there's a bit of um we call this open source intelligence there's a bit of um publicly available information about your target that you wouldn't normally have Mm -hmm. right if i give you a 20 dollar bill and i put it in your wallet nobody knows which wallet that's in it's like robbing a bank and saying send all the money to this address yeah absolutely yeah so like in real life you could just i mean it's the same in real life as you would do in bitcoin wallet you just camp out at that address until you figure out how to get in and get the money back yeah that's essentially what they did they didn't they weren't able to retrieve the Bitcoin by jumping on blockchain and taking them piece by piece mm-hmm. because that is impossible still. Yeah. I say still because there's some crazy things people are able to think of just over time as technology builds upon itself. There's there's possibly a point in time in the future where people have found a workaround through blockchain. I, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Quantum computing is probably yeah. going to turn everything on its head. It's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen anytime yeah. soon. I just don't want to write it off. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, which is what people do today. Yeah, it's wild because there's there's just a lot of advancements that people like. People are like, yeah, a phone in your pocket, you're an idiot. <laughs> right, they belong yeah. on the wall. <laughs> Have you seen how <laughs> yeah. big those things are? And now it's like a phone in your pocket. That's why do you not have a phone in your pocket? Yeah, uh-huh. like you. I don't want them to know who I am. I just <laughs> yeah. want to use the yeah. phone. Oh, my face can open my phone. Oh, that's convenient. Use my fingerprint to unlock my phone? Okay. <laughs> um, I also, I started laughing halfway through what you were saying uh, because this article says exactly how many Bitcoin were recovered and they recovered 63.7 Bitcoins. Why is this funny to you? <laughs> it's hilarious because it's worth around $2.3 million. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's 63.7. Uh-huh. Like, how many did you get? Well, I got 63 of them. Okay, Bob. Well, you're fired because you didn't do your job. He's like, oh, 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 hang on, hang on. It's two point three million dollars. Oh, never mind, Bob. You're rehired. <laughs> like, that's just a f- wow. Congrats, man. Yeah. This guy, whole year, he got thirty Bitcoin recovered. Like, come on, that's it yep. that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. So we were asked, <laughs> Citadel. We were asked uh, first quarter of 2021 to give a predictions for. Uh, uh, predictions for cyber cyber activity in 2021. What we thought the la- the landscape was going to do. So of course we said like, well, geez, the rise of Bitcoin, the value that's there, like the amount of ransomware attacks that we're seeing, you're going to see more and more ransom attacks. You're going to see more and more cyber crime that's paid through Bitcoin. And when we gave this information away, we were like, this is the most obvious prediction ever right <laughs> but everyone around us were like oh wow yeah that's really smart and we were like okay we're really just kind of reading the tea leaves here i mean you guys are psychic uh uh mentor mediums i don't remember words either that's right, right now my yeah. brain fried i was giving a tour yesterday i couldn't remember any of the names of anything my brain was just like hey you're gonna have dates but you're not gonna know what they're for 
1888, something happened. And people were there. Let's move on. Yeah. They still enjoyed their tour, which was a surprise. I don't even know. I don't remember what I was doing. Yeah, well, people, I, I, you know, as, as, as much history as you give about the community on your food tours, that's fun. It's, it's interesting. But people are there to hear you talk. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's your personality that, you, that, they're, that they're paying for. Thanks, man. So uh, one cyber attack I'm excited about is the fact that somebody stole EA source code and is just ready to give it out. <laughs> okay. Um, mainly because EA is such a predatory company already. Okay. They're like nickel and dime for everything video game. Like if you are playing a video game and you want a skin, like a, like a, you want to change the color of your gun. Hey, man, how about you part with $35 for that skin change? Yeah. Uh, EA, are they the FIFA company? They're the FIFA company. They're the ones who do the loot boxes and everything. They've, mon- they've monetized every single video game instance possible in the world. And they released, like, Star Wars Battlefront without even finishing the game. I saw a lot of news about um, Congress discussing gambling in video games yes is this all over the ea company it's all it look ea is the one who did it because the majority of people who play video games right now are skewed to a younger demographic the i was gonna say president of hawaii what's that called the governor (laughs) (laughs) i'll cut that out Uh, joe biden (laughs) the president of hawaii joe biden of hawaii (laughs) yeah um joe biden is the joe biden of hawaii (laughs) you're right you're right (laughs) Um, Please don't cut that out. The the uh, the Hawaii guy um, banned a Star Wars game. Yeah, Battlefront because it had loot boxes. Okay. So children, chil- and that's another EA game. So children are playing these games, and they're gambling. And gambling isn't something that you want to introduce to someone young because then they're addicted to. It. I mean, even old people are addicted to it. So your position is, I'm glad they got hacked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my position is take that EA. All right, Nate's Nate's opinions don't reflect the opinions of no, Citadel. No, they don't reflect that. Anything I say does not reflect the opinion of most of the people around me. <laughs> like I'm just gonna be honest. Um, but it it's it's just like my selfish. I hate they make my game bad. <laughs> okay, so let's have a conversation about this. Okay. Uh, when is it appropriate for offensive security? When is it appropriate for for a hacking operation to take place? God, in my opinion, corrupt governments. Okay, so Stuxnet, right? We talked about yeah, that. Yeah, Stuxnet. We've got... Um, Ooh, that was corrupt government to corrupt government. <laughs> oh, that's hot take. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, a, 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 a country that is trying to develop nuclear weapons, and another country who has nuclear weapons says we want to be the only ones yeah. so they interrupt that program we want to ween um and maybe that's maybe that's appropriate um maybe uh, corrupt business yeah right you don't oh, like yeah. you don't like ea's business model ea is awful uh but they get the games i want and and if it's a corrupt enough model they're they're pre- they're preying they're preying on children and yeah. right if they meet some criteria isn't there po- isn't there like Hacktivists. That's what it's called, right? Hacktivism. Hacktivists usually just, um, they will hack for a cause. Uh, They'll usually... Peter. Huh? Peter. I'm sorry, Peter. The Australian call it Peter. Peter. I I have no idea what's happening. People for the ethical treatment of animals. Oh, I was like... Peter. Okay, gotcha. Peter. Uh, Yeah, okay, so imagine Peter, but they can all hack. Mm. They're going to take over your Mm. Nordstrom website and... Puts stuff about fur being bad. Yeah, bad right. fur. Um, bad fur day. Yeah, but there are, uh, I, I guess, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's people who, when they perform their hacking operations, they don't want to cause harm to humanity. They yeah. want to elevate whatever cause they work for. In, in my opinion, um, if not a hundred percent, really close to the time those people are. Uh, a little detached from reality you know our our i i think the security community is divided on this and here's why i bring it up um you mentioned the fbi going back and counter hacking the bad guys yeah there's been a discourse is that appropriate and you pretty much have like the the red team side of security the penetration testers the guys who want to do the offensive work mm-hmm. find the vulnerabilities of a business by playing hacker yeah. on a business 
to say, here's a spreadsheet of things that you should remediate so that you're more robust against actual hackers who want to steal your money. The red team side of security is all for the FBI going in there and doing some off offensive security. The defensive side says, hang on, isn't that still a crime? Aren't we just criminalizing a criminal? Are we, are we committing crimes in response to crimes? Man, I think we're getting into a bigger conversation, though, about, like, at what point does the hero become the villain? So the defense side, the blue team of security, says, my mom taught me two wrongs don't make a right. Mm -hmm. That's a wrong. Yeah. So the community's divided on this. Yeah. Where do you stand? I think I know where you stand, given your conversation on EA. I stand all over the place. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let's just let's just get that clear. Uh, I I will actually I will pick and choose based on situations. Like a lot of people talk about the Fauci email leaks. First thing, wasn't a leak. They were published under Freedom of Information Act. Sure, they were they were freely given to us. Yeah, that's a process being carried out. Yeah, so people are like, oh, the emails leak. Look at all this juicy information. Well, if you call them leaks, people are gonna read them more. Sure. If you just say they were published. As with anything that government officials do, you're allowed to see anything they do. Sure. Um, well, situationally. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of classified stuff we can't see, but we'll see eventually because that's how like 50 years I think it is. And then you got to release it all. Um, so there are ethical leaks like the the Panama Accords, Panama Papers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. That just disappeared. All that said, and it was a massive thing, was – Rich people aren't paying taxes and are ruining our world. Uh -huh. And it disappeared quickly, like very quickly. Yeah. I think that is an ethical use of being bad. That's interesting. I think whoever hacked that should be punished for what they did, though. It's, that's that's the weird thing. Okay, so Snowden. Snowden blows the whistle on yes. the NSA and, yep. and raises some, uh, some issues that probably needed to be talked about, yes. about whether or not it was appropriate for the way... Uh, human, human citizens, American citizens were being monitored. Are you an alien? <laughs> Did you just admit to us? <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, leave these in. These, I love these. Human citizens and president of Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> Please, we need to make shirts for Citadel. It really sounds like I'm a, I'm a, I'm an alien who just read a book <laughs> yes. on what humans do. We should make shirts that are like human citizens with a design and president <laughs> of Hawaii with a design, like. Come on, why are we not selling merch for Citadel Podcast? Why are we not selling whatever? Uh, you were talking about Snowden. Yeah, so Snowden had to, he basically had to fish his supervisor. He had to do offensive security against national security. Mm -hmm. Raised some pretty good issues. Made some things available that probably needed to come to light. Blew a whistle, that's his function. Mm -hmm. Probably wasn't the best, it, it wasn't a white knight situation. No. Right? Yeah. Does Snowden deserve punishment? I think he deserves a trial. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think he deserves a trial. And I think either way it goes would be right, but I think it has to go through trial first. So a, a jury of his peers can weigh and decide, did the benefit of what we know outweigh the illegal activity he did? Because we don't want to say that this activity is okay. Yeah. Because then anyone can do this activity. Right. Anytime they feel passionate or so compelled yeah. by some personal belief they have that's in conflict with their organization. Yep. Right. Yeah. You don't want to send that message that it's okay to just every time you disagree to counterhack. Yeah. And it, that's the same issue I have with Batman. What? I think what Batman does is great. I don't think he should be doing it. It it is a job. There's a process that you put people through. You oh, have yeah. to take them to trial. Like you, Batman is judge, jury, and executioner, while also avoiding the law and sometimes working with the law. Does that make him right? I don't think Batman is a hero. So it's hard for me to care about what you're saying because you're talking about Batman. But when I hear judge, jury, and executioner, I certainly think about all the times that we've seen headlines about um, cops who have not acted within policy or yeah. whatever. Um, and those instances, right? If you, if you watch those videos of, of somebody else's mistake or poor conduct or misjudgment or whatever, vigilanteism. Yeah. 
It's uh, essentially vigilantism. It 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 sure sticks out like a sore thumb. Same thing that Snowden does. It's it's vigilantism. It's it's going outside the bounds of the law because at the time the law doesn't help you mm-hmm. fix an issue. Mm-hmm. So I think it's both wrong and and right. And that's I don't think there is a solution to it other than a group of people have a job under the law to figure out how to make sure the law can either benefit or harm these situations in the future. And that's scary. It's up to chance. But that's what I think. With with any hacktivism, with any taking taking it upon yourself to release something that you've gotten illegally from someone else, with any of that, I think it should come with repercussions, but I think it should be measured. I, I think that's a really mature statement. I, I don't know where I'm at on it yet. Uh, it, it's... It's a thing that feels, um, it feels so simple, but then once you start looking mm-hmm. into an individual situation, it, it's really, it's really hard. I, I want to say nobody should ever hack, but then I think about Snowden, and I'm like, well, yeah, we needed, we needed the information that he yeah. released to us. Panama Papers was a great, yeah, we needed the example. information they released to us. Like a lot of what WikiLeaks does is, we needed the information they released to us. Are they right? No. Yeah, so, like, that's such an interesting one for me. Snowden, I say, like, yeah, was, maybe maybe it's okay in some situations. But then you talk about Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks guy, and I say, oh, no. He's a terrible person. Some of the things that WikiLeaks puts out are like, okay, we did need to know this information mm-hmm. that is hidden. Mm-hmm. I don't think all of it, I think they're like, uh, if we give them quantity, somewhere in there is quality. And Snowden was like, if I give them quality, I don't need to give them quantity because they will understand the quantity outside of the quality. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so we talked about what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Would it be more interesting to talk about network topology? I'm sorry, what? Network topology. Network topology. Let me see if there's any uh, articles about that so I can weigh in. Network topology. Like Top Golf? Just Top-golf-y? like Top Golf. Um, in June, we're talking all about network security. Yeah, uh, you are. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the discourse we had, but I do want to bring it back around to, to network security. Like I said, you are. Okay. <laughs> um, in 2003, I took a network topology class, and I will give you the high notes. Okay. Um, you Think about the way all home computer networks were before there was Wi-Fi. You had... The modem that came from the uh, the ISP, your Verizon or your Spectrum or Comcast or whatever, and then that modem was connected to a router. It was wired in, and every device that was on your network was also wired into that router. Mm-hmm. You had one family computer, it was plugged in to the router. You had two, you had two cords that were going into that router. Does that make sense? Yeah, the way you're describing it isn't as good as I can describe it. Okay. Network topology is essentially the roadmap that you use to map out what the network is that you're using. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're going way too far in advance. I'm sorry. I'm just smarter than you. Uh, Thank you, Google. This is called <laughs> This is called a star topology. Okay. You've got everything that is connected to one device. Gotcha. So, so picture a, a bike wheel. Like all the devices connect back in like the spokes on a bike, yes. bike wheel. Yes, yes, yep. You have a single point of failure, though. If that router goes down, every single device can't connect to the internet. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so that's a star topology, and and star topologies are probably the most widely used uh, networks available. They're in they're yeah. in everybody's home still because you can add and take away devices without having to take down the network. It is a well. Not the central device, but every other device. Exactly. Everything, yeah. not the not the one that everything's connected into, but every yep. other device, you can take it and leave it, and you don't have to worry about taking yeah. down the whole network. Yep. The star topology is useful because it's cheap. Yeah. Um, uh, to contrast that, you've got a, a, a mesh network. And a mesh network, there's not a whole lot of examples for us to talk through, but imagine every device on your network was connected to every other device. It looks like a satanic star. There's a lot of lines that go back and forth, yeah. Uh-huh. It looks like y'all are about to summon, dare I say, the network Leviathan, uh-huh. <laughs> who is very real. So if my, if your workstation, I, yeah, I get it, I get it. If your workstation and my workstation are all connected mm-hmm. uh, to this router, then you can pass your traffic through my 
computer to the router, or you can send your your traffic straight to the router, or my computer can pass mine through your computer to the router. There's all these different paths that you can take. It's not all just connected to one uh, to one hub. Yeah. This is expensive. Everybody's the hub, essentially. Everybody becomes the hub, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this, about a third of information security is certifying the availability of services, making sure that things keep working. Mm-hmm. This is the most robust network that you can put together. Gotcha. Also the most expensive. Yeah, because at any point, the network Leviathan can be summoned between the star formation of the mesh network. Yes, but if you summon the network Leviathan and it comes and it eats half the devices, the other half of your devices can still communicate to the network. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're right now you're saying that the network Leviathan does exist, correct? I'll cut that out. Dang it. <laughs> we can't let the secrets... Uh, out there. Yeah. So topology is is literally just creating the map of what it looks like. Yeah, it's it's figuring out the strategy for how you connect devices together. Got you. And in order to come up with a strategy for how to connect your devices, you have to ask yourself the question, why do we have networks, period? There's a very simple answer to this. I bet you can articulate the reason that people network devices, but... Facebook. Sorry? They do it for Facebook. Sorry? People network devices for Facebook. Sorry? (laughs) They do it so they can get on Facebook? It's to share resources. Oh, okay. I was close. I was almost there. <laughs> yeah, I share my resource of posts. Pick pick any resource. Think about a printer. Uh, yeah, that's one of the images in the topology images I see. Yep. If you want to be able to print, and <laughs> I want to be able to print. Sorry, I, didn't, I don't know why I slapped you. If you want to be able to print, and I want to be able to print. Uh-huh. If we're not connected, we have to get two printers. Yes. If uh, If we just have one printer on the network, we can all use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we both want to use the internet and we're not connected, you have to get an internet line. I have to get an internet line too. One's the internet computer. Sorry? Like one's the computer that's connected to the internet. I didn't. I don't know why I said that all out. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't understand that don't sentence know. at all. I don't know why I said that. You can cut that. <laughs> Leave the other stuff, but cut whatever that was. This is the only time you've ever asked. No, that's not true. You asked me to cut something else. Um, but I will cut that. <laughs> My mom. <laughs> so the network topology is planning it out so you get rid of issues before you start network creation-wise. Yes. Here's why I want to talk about this. In cybersecurity and network security, there are there are a lot of different ways that you can secure a network. And a lot of them, you kind of fall into uh, a, you fall into this trap where you want to have all these different features that you could just turn on. Well, we can turn on um, the the stateful firewall. We talked about that. We can turn on the IDS and the IPS and we can turn on, there's so many different features that you can turn on in network security. Um, But if you're a small business, people understand, vendors understand that that can be a little bit overwhelming. So they try to kind of simplify it. Mm-hmm. And there's this there's this platform that has come out that's called the Unified the Unified Threat Management Platform, the UTM. A UTM solution is it's a bunch of network equipment that all connects together, all works together and tries to accomplish it's the Swiss Army Knight of of network security. Why is your face doing that? I'm looking at images of the network topology of a UTM. Okay. And it just there's a lot of images in here. So here's what here's what a typical UTM deployment looks like. You've got maybe you've got a couple different buildings. Mm-hmm. And all of them need to connect to uh, each other for whatever reason. Whatever reason you've decided. Um, you'll have a like a like a brain, like a UTM brain that goes somewhere, a, a super device, a master device that yeah. controls all the other devices. And then you'll have some edge equipment or equipment that is closer to the edge of your network, um, switches and stuff that will all communicate back to your one brain. Mm-hmm. This is, in, in, in an attempt of simplifying the security of the network, we have now complicated the network topology. 
because now all of these devices have to communicate to the brain or else the networks don't work. So if you're a business and you're saying like, okay, well, we're about to launch our second site. What's the best way for us to handle our network design and our network security design? Well, you need to come up with why you need the network in the first place. If it's because you need to reach that person's printer, you need to reach a printer from building two, Mm -hmm. from building one, okay, maybe it makes sense that you have those devices connected. But if you don't need to talk to those devices for any reason, if there's not a device on that network that you you don't need from the other building, don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, just have the separate building network. The problem that comes with over-engineering a solution, the problem that comes with having a more complicated network topology than you need is you have more points of failure. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we we had this, this early win um, over a year ago now where a business came to us and they said, we've got this UTM network and it's great because it gives us a unified IP scheme, which means every computer is on the same network and they all know what every IP address is going to be. And I was like, okay, great. How are you operationalizing that? How are you using that? And they were like, well, well, we're not, but we do have this spreadsheet and it shows every device name and it shows every <laughs> IP address. And we were like, oh, that's helpful. But how, like, what is the business application? Like, what is the benefit? What's the benefit? What's the point of being able to do that? And the point was somebody said they needed to do it. So they did it. Mm. When they put in their UTM network, Anytime there was power unavailability and some of their sites had bad, they just had bad power. Um, When that power would fluctuate, the whole UTM network would have trouble communicating and every site would go down except for the one that had the brain. If the brain ever went down, every site, I think they had six, five, six sites, every site would go down. Hmm. But there was no feature benefit. When we looked at 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 the uh, at the console, it wasn't even actually performing all the security things that it was that it was intended <laughs> to do. So the biggest impact that we made to security there was removing the UTM appliance, removing the the unified network, and just making each site its own network. They didn't need to talk to each other, Mm-mm. so let's just make them go out to the internet. That's what email's for. Well, yeah, absolutely. That was really how they needed to stay connected was through mm-hmm. email, through a chat. And Slack. through through their through their phones, Slack them, Slack them. Interesting. Yeah. So it, when you first started talking about network topology, I was like, that doesn't make sense. But there is a website that just has all the images and explains it. Like it shows exactly what you were talking about. And they list seven types. And I, from this website itself, I wouldn't get the second step of, well, what you're choosing depends on how you're using. Yeah. So I know when I set up, I was the one who would set up my home network. It was just get the router up and connect. Yeah. Uh, if there's a printer, we all need to use it. Just connect it to yep. the router. Um, no thought, rhyme, or reason. Same with the venue that I used to work at. I just set up the router. If things needed to connect, they would just connect. Yep. I didn't think like, oh, well, this one doesn't. This one needs to be on a separate network. So if the net, like if this goes down, this we still would need this, um, or whatever. I've never, I've never thought of designing a network to fit the needs of the business. I love that phrase. What you're choosing depends on what you're using. Mm-hmm. If there, if you don't have, if you're not planning your network around why you actually need that network, you're, you're, you're probably overspending mm-hmm. or you're, or you're just, you're just not. Or underutilizing. There it is. Overspending or underutilizing. Yeah. Look, man, I'm great at catchphrases. I think we should probably go back through these episodes and get the catchphrases that I've made because I'm so cool and put them on T-shirts. Badvertising. Badvertising is great. It's a good one. I don't know why no one thought of that. Yeah. And you cyber nerds are like all about naming things. We, yeah. Yeah, we love our taxonomy. We love naming. Hey, Nate, we've got a uh, a user-submitted question. You what? That's right. Oh, my God. That's right. I'm so excited. Uh, this one comes to us from a friend of the show, Adam. Adam, uh, by the way, listens to our episodes as soon as they come out. Brachiosaurus. Adam Brachiosaurus? No, I answered his question. Let's move on to the next. (laughs) 
Okay, this one comes from Jim. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> Jim wants to know uh, that even though we're we're more focused on corporate security, business security, um, what are some things, some some easy, simple things that people can do in their personal lives mm-hmm. to stay more cyber secure? Pad and paper. Okay, explain. Use a pad and paper. Just draw out your Facebook Get profile your picture. Phone. Uh-huh. Get rid of your laptop. Uh-huh. Use a pad and paper. Most secure thing. The only thing you have to worry about is either leaving it behind at Mitchell's, which I'm still trying to find out who took it, uh-huh. or someone stealing it from your hand while you're writing. Hmm. No one can steal anything outside of that. Okay, we answered that question you're too. You're welcome, Adam. Thank you, Adam from Seattle. Sorry, that was Jim. Sorry, Jim from Washington, Texas. He, he moves around, yeah. Yep. Um, I, I would say this. I think the biggest impact you can make to your cybersecurity as a, as a as an individual uh, after you get through the things like setting up your multi-factor mm-hmm. on your bank account your email yeah. account and that kind of stuff multi-factors so multi-factors should probably be the, the first thing if you can use authenticator that's great yeah it's an app it's it's I think it's just called Google authenticator Google authenticator there's Microsoft authenticator yeah if you can use an authenticator Use an authenticator. If you're sharing an account with your spouse, mm-hmm. you can use a uh, an authenticator app called Authy. You can install the same token on multiple devices. Yeah, um, Authy is a little more complicated, but yeah, it's part of two FA two factor authentication. Yeah, that two factor authentication is is crucial. Um, but I think if you've listened to the podcast enough, you've heard us say that before. Did I just rip my pants? I think I did. I was pulling the strings and rip my pants. Is there a hole there? I think I got a hole. Two-factor authentication. Uh, but then, uh, here's one for you. I think you should use a credit card. I agree. I totally agree. I just had my debit card information stolen, and someone made like six transactions, and I, I get notifications every single time something happens for my debit card. Yeah. And I was like, these aren't my transactions. Yeah. So I immediately blocked the card, called my bank. They said, dispute the transaction with the company that it was happening through. So uh-huh. I called them. They're probably not going to, so I'm just going to do it through my bank. Um, the good thing about the bank I use is the moment I canceled my card, they immediately issued a virtual card for me that auto-populated into my Google wallet. That's cool. So I can still tap to pay at most places that I go to, um, but using a credit card is the step in between where if, like, if this happened to my credit card, I just call my creditor, dispute the claims way easier. Yeah. And I don't have to, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't actually affect me. Yeah. And then you also have the added benefit of the credit card has cashback rewards or miles programs or whatever. So now every time you make a qualified purchase, you're you're saving without trying to save. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I know less about like the cashback and that kind of stuff. I just know from, a, from, a, from an exposure standpoint. You're safe. You're trying to protect your money. Mm-hmm. Somebody steals that debit card. They make those transactions. That money has been removed from your account. It's mm-hmm. already gone. There, there's a long, arduous process. Yep. I'm about to go through it to get that money back. Yeah, and it could take months. Yep, it might not be successful. Yep, um, but you're out that money. In the meantime, right? If they withdraw enough money from your account, you're done. Right now, you've got. You've got overdraft fees because mm-hmm. the the checking account got debited too low. I mean, there's. The exposure that you have there is so much greater. Yeah. The credit card, you just call a number and say, I didn't do that. You're like, cool. Click. And it gets Cancel. taken off, right? Yeah, because credit isn't real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not your actual money. It's not real. So for them, it doesn't matter whether or not people get it. It's not real. <laughs> so uh, this is maybe a, a surprising one to hear from a cy- cybersecurity podcast, but what you're using should... What you're choosing should help me out. I don't remember what I said. What you're using should depend on, should be based. Here we go. What you're choosing should be based on what you're using. Yes. Why do you need a debit card at all? What situation do you need to use a debit card that you can't you you can't do with a credit card? There isn't one, honestly. You can even get cash out of an ATM. Correct. On credit. Yep. And as long as you make sure you have. You should use your banking app to make sure you have the money so you don't get into a stupid credit spiral. Yeah. Like you only spend what you have. The credit card isn't to extend what you have. I mean, in some cases it is to extend what you have, mm-hmm. extren- like extenuous, whatever the word is, circumstances. But you should majority of the time use it as a 
copy of what you have access to. So if you have like, if you know you get paid 2,500 a month, then your credit limit should be 2,500 every month. So then you know yeah. I can pay down what I need. If I'm paying rent with it, I'm paying like if I'm paying everything with my credit card, my limit is twenty five hundred because that's how much I make a month. Yeah, I guess you're trading risk, right? You're trading your cybersecurity risk that's associated with the debit card mm -hmm. for financial risk that's associated with poor financial hygiene. Yeah, but it's 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 not a risk. People say it's a risk. It's not a risk with a credit card. It, well, I'm saying like if you can't control your own behavior. Yes, that's why I'm saying it's it. There isn't. It's not equivalent with cybersecurity. I see what you're saying. Like, there's there's genuinely no risk. You just have to not be stupid. Yeah. And I say that because, like, 10 years ago, I was stupid, and I owe a lot of money to a lot of people. <laughs> um, but with if you want to look deeper into, like, credit cards that offer benefits, rewards, cash back, all that stuff, it's the it's called churning. It's uh, C-H-U-R-N-I-N-G. So if you're like, I do want to protect myself, but also add on the layer of now I get miles that I can use on vacations to save money mm -hmm. on flying. It's called credit card churning. And there's people whose entire, like everything they do is churning credit cards. So they know, oh, hey, Discover's coming out with a new card that's got 4% cash back. Here's the application. Hop on that. Like grab oh, that yeah, card, yeah. use it for these purchases, get cash back. They even do it. There are some people so into it that they're like, hey, Chase is offering $500 in your bank account. If you open with them, keep it open for three months, put X amount of money in, you get 500 bucks. And they're like, I have that money sitting in a savings account. I'm going to open a Chase account. I'm going to leave it open for three months. I'm going to get that $500. I'm going to close the Chase account. And now I just made $500. That's interesting. I, we're talking about some stuff that I don't know much about. Yeah, it's called churning. Okay. So for those of you who want to go deeper into that, because you're like- To I, do your own research on churning. Exactly. I'm not going to go into it on the podcast because it's really not a cybersecurity thing. It's just an added layer of yeah. you get the benefit of safety in the cybersecurity world with your personal banking information, yeah. and you can make something out of it. Yeah. Uh, like my, I know my older brother works for a college, so when he travels, he uses- a specific credit card that gets points that he can use towards hotels, towards flights mm -hmm. for himself personally. So it's like, that's a great idea. Do stuff like that. Yep. Two-factor authentication for that. Um, using a password uh, locker yeah. of some kind. Like I use Chrome, which isn't the safest. Um, but if you get like a, I don't know what password lockers would be called. Uh, password managers like yeah. um, Dashlane is one, LastPass is one, um, KeyPass is one that's mm -hmm. a little less user-friendly. Um, there's a there's a lot of different ones that are out there. Um, why why use a password manager? It protects you from keystroke things. It sure does. I we I remember we had talked about this of yeah. how like I'm accidentally safe. Yeah. Uh, Keyloggers. Keyloggers. The kinds of malware that go and 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 try to capture your passwords can't capture them from your keyboard if you're not using your keyboard to type them in. Yeah, because essentially your computer, uh, the information of your keyboard is going through your computer. If someone is in the middle of that, paying attention to what keys you're using, then they are able to take those keys knowing that, oh, you're putting your password in here. We'll take these keys from mm -hmm. this time frame. Now we have your password. You don't do that. You just click. You click this, click this, yeah, this is the password I'll use, and then you're good to go. So you don't have a key logger. What that means, though, is that whatever that is that stores all your passwords has to be safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. we've got a customer who's using Dashlane, and it seems to meet all their needs. We have a customer who's using LastPass, and it meets all their needs, and they love it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe do some, some research there. I think a lot of them have, like, if it's just for your home use, I think it's free. Yeah. Uh, I think Dashlane has a model like that, at least. Um, I was just looking over somebody's shoulder who is using a password manager and, um, and I saw that their passwords were like, uh, their name and then like a five at the end. Mm. If you're going to use a password manager, use it mm. to save yourself from having to remember a complicated password. Let it, let it populate your crazy auto-generated you know, 16 character alphanumeric password for you, right? You're not having to type it in anymore. So take advantage of having a more secure password by um, by the by the password manager doing it for you. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. I was just Googling um, Microsoft, Google, and Apple. They, the big tech companies are trying to get mm -hmm. rid of passwords. Yeah. Do you remember when we were talking with Trafinia and you were like, yeah, it'd be cool if we could get away with password. We get away from passwords one day. And yeah. we were both like, yeah, that's the future that we're working towards. Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's in the future mm -hmm. um, of getting rid of passwords. The other thing 
Wait, and hang I'll, on. Before you I'll move on yeah, from, yeah, yeah, from, yeah, from passwords. I'm just excited because I know the answers to these. Right? Because yeah. I paid attention to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk about some of the work that uh, a Microsoft developer or project lead um, named Troy Hunt put together years ago now. Uh, Troy Hunt is um, he's a fascinating guy just to follow, just to keep up with. He's a good Twitter follow. Um, he, he's a world traveler, and he's also like really involved in cloud security. Have I been pwned? Have I been pwned? He created this website a long time ago that, um, have I been pwned? Have I been P-W-N-E-D? Mm-hmm. Pwning or owning a network is what we call, um, you know, hacking, compromising, and taking over somebody's network. So if I've been able to get over, take over your account, it's because I have owned your password. And if I was typing too quickly, I pwned your password. Um, so anyway, have I been pwned.com. What he does is he works with um, cybersecurity researchers and other kinds of co- contributors who will go and analyze when you see the headline that says Facebook, uh, you know, 10 million passwords were data breach. were breached. Um, Target data breach. Cybersecurity researchers will go and they will they will obtain a copy of that from the dark web or from whatever source they get it from. And they will populate the the list of accounts that have been breached into Troy Hunt's uh, database. So you can use this resource to see if the, the accounts that you're using or the usernames that you have have also been compromised. This is important because if you're uh, continuing to use a password that people on the internet know, they're going to use it, right? That's called credential stuffing. We saw that you had a, a, a MySpace account that you set up 10 years ago mm-hmm. with your, your email address. You've got a Facebook account now. Well, we're going to see if the MySpace password is still good for the Facebook password. Yeah. And a lot of people are reusing passwords, so there's a pretty good chance that I can stuff a credential that you use somewhere else that's been breached into a more valuable account. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Credential stuffing is also used in Thanksgivings across America. It's the worst kind of Thanksgiving. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's so gross. Yeah. And then the other thing is... Oh, for me. Yeah. Don't be the administrator on your personal computer. Yeah. And I'm not the administrator on mine, and I hate it because I keep having to give me, give myself permission to certain applications. So um, I, I can show you like the run as command. There's, there's ways that you can um, streamline that. And if you go to the Citadel Resources page and you look at the ransomware defense, there's some some Let's stuff see, in there that will Citadel. tell you about that. How do I get to that page? Uh, Citadel.com. C I S I T T A D E L dot com. S I T T A D L dot Citadel. Oh, like the podcast. Okay, just like the podcast. Yeah. Resources. I see that page. Resources. This is a really good website. There's a blog. Thank you. It's an okay website. There's a there's a blog. And uh, taking your first steps. Oh, free ransomware defense, right? Is that the one? one. It's not do it yourself cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. Screw me. (laughs) No, this is stupid. Oh my gosh, there's information here of what to do. (laughs) There's a 42 second video from Microsoft linked into the page. I hate what you're doing right now. You're welcome. (laughs) Oh, it's not linked into the page. It takes me to a new page. Did you choose to make it uh, open a new tab? You yes. can have it play. Oh, okay, I was about to say you can have it play in the website. Yeah, but I don't own the video, so I thought I would link back to it. It's look, I'm cutting this out of the web of the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, you can go there. Go there for that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's called the run as command, and it makes it so you don't have to log off or anything. Not important. If you've got a question like Adam, yeah, you can send it to us uh, via the Citadel Twitter. That yep. is at Citadel Podcast. Yep. Um, you can also send your question into ask at citadel.com. And um, quick recap before we go, we talked a lot about the ethics of hacking, about the uh, the increase of attention to ransomware attacks. Mm-hmm. I think they might also be in, uh, like not as much, but I think they might also be increasing in number of sure cyber attacks. Yeah. Um, we also talked about the evolution of ransomware attacks. Correct. Where yeah. now they are extorting you for uh, information to release publicly in case mm-hmm. you say, I'm just going to restore from a, an air-gapped backup or something like that. We talked about network topology, which is just mapping out the network so you can know 
why in the world are you setting up your network that way? Mm -hmm. There's got to be a reason and application for your business for it to be that way. And then how to keep yourself safe personally. And some of the things were two-factor authentication, authenticator app, password manager, making sure your password is unique, not like your last name or any of the... Like don't also don't put out the question the answers of like who your first girlfriend was. Don't answer any of those things on Facebook. Just yeah. don't do that. Um, make sure that you can use a notepad and paper if you want to just give up technology altogether. Mm -hmm. um, making sure you're not the administrator on your own home device. And we talked about uh, Brachiosaurus. Well, uh, it's actually the um, Moros Intrepidus, I believe it was. And then mm -hmm. we sang the song. Dun 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 dun. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>